0: Thank you so much for uh, for having us today. So, let me, so the the sixth district of Colorado is a uh, uh, 20% Hispanic district, and, and growing. Uh, but there and, and there are other very significant uh, there's a very significant African immigrant group uh, led by Koreans. Uh, very significant uh, Asian immigrant community led. I mean, I'm sorry, led by Ethiopians. Very significant Asian immigrant group uh, led by led by Koreans. And so that what I find in the Hispanic community, first of all. There are a lot of people that say that they're leaders in the Hispanic community, and they're you know the family's been here for multi generations. They don't speak any Spanish, <laughs> but it, it's kind of identity politics, and they get their information through the mainstream media. But that's not the Hispanic community uh, of my district. It is primarily primarily uh, from Mexico, and, and second would be El Salvador, and then uh, there's a lot of smaller. Uh, Populations represented from different countries. Outside of that, but they get their information through a very robust Hispanic media, uh, very robust uh, uh, TV, uh, Telemundo. Uh, well, Univision. <laughs> uh, Univision being dominant, Telemundo catching up. Uh, 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 uh,
1: and go uh, uh
0: And and radio. I, I'm working on uh, doing a segment, a weekly segment on Hispanic talk radio, on Spanish language talk radio. Uh, that, that you know, which is uh, La Pregunta de la Semana, the question of the week, you know, where I'll go on for a short segment and answer a question. But it focuses me you know, on studying Spanish for that given issue that better prepares me to do a longer form uh, interviews and releases. And so uh, very and so this community really does not get their information through the mainstream media. So it's so important to dedicate time to learn Spanish, uh, to be able to go on. And they see it, even though most of them probably speak English, but Spanish is their first language. But it is a sign of respect for that community uh, to, to, to to make the attempt. And they really appreciate it. And then uh, we've probably got a print meeting We've got five uh, Spanish language weeklies that overlap the congressional district. And so it's important to work those as well. But I think, and, and right now uh, my office is preparing to do, uh, what is, I mean, what I find that, that you know, you have a large undocumented population that are very concerned about immigration uh, reform. District. There's no question about that. Uh, and, but they're very entrepreneurial. They're, the, the American dream for them is having their own business. And, and uh, so we're getting ready to do a big uh, seminar in Spanish on starting your own business and partnering with the SBA, partnering with a lot of different organizations uh, to be able to. But it will be in Spanish, and so uh, I'm very excited about that. That's the first one uh, that we'll be doing uh, all in Spanish, and so uh, just dedicated towards that community. But um, so it is. It is you know really. The, the only other thing, what I, what I do find in immigrant groups tend to be more religious, uh, more faith-based than your average American. Uh, and so uh, in all the immigrant groups, whether I go to the mosque, I go to a temple, I <laughs> go to a Sikh temple, uh, I go to uh, Ethiopian evangelical Orthodox uh, services, I go to, I mentioned the mosque. And then in the Hispanic community, there is a growing uh, evangelical movement uh, where there's a network of pastors that I can meet with uh, and and go to their respective churches, Uh, and that's very uh, important too. So, uh, but but you know what they say over well over 90% of life is just being there, and I think that that is just so such a big thing. I mean, they think Republicans don't like. So, and they they register as the Democrats, and so it's breaking that narrative by being in their community. Easy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me start. Uh, whoa, this thing's on. Let me uh, let me start where Mike uh, where Mike left off. Um, I, I think the biggest part of this is just showing up. Uh, when I was first elected to the state Senate, I can remember very vividly. Uh, it was a big debate coming off of the floor. We went back into, we do our, our weekly lunches, and a young staffer came in and said, do you know what they're saying on Spanish, on Spanish TV? And explained to the whole caucus, and I said, well, who's speaking out there for, for the Republican side of this? And there wasn't anybody. Not only wasn't there anybody, but there was no plan associated with it. I mean, the first part of this is just showing up, making sure that you've got a message out there that is uh, your side of, of the message on issues. And then showing up in the district, making sure that, you know, as we're going into a campaign and you're looking at precincts, you're going to walk, you always triage, well, let's go to the highest turnout precincts first. But if you're never never talking to the lower turnout precincts, then you're missing a whole segment of the population that eventually will be the high turnout precincts. And so uh, I think it's important to make sure that uh, you're out there talking to all aspects of your community. And then outreach even further on, you know, everybody goes and talks to the chamber. Why not talk to the Hispanic chamber? Why not walk the the uh, businesses in, in the um, you know more predominantly Hispanic part of the town? So it's really I think first part of this is just showing up, uh, showing that you care, and then having an ongoing uh, outreach. Um, you know we do quite a bit on uh, on Spanish TV. We do a lot more on Spanish radio. Uh, Spanish radio I can advertise all year long, every year. It's cheap, and people listen and uh it's a good way to change the message based on what is happening here what's happening on a national level continue to change your message and let people know where you're at on the issues um you know i also saw that uh early on in my political career uh we would have uh, swearing in ceremonies where people would take citizenship very proud time uh for an entire family to to show up and witness a family member uh taking uh the oath to citizenship and after each one of these, you would see the Democrat table lined up, voter registration, uh, very out there, out front. And not only did we, uh, did we change that dynamic and make sure the Republicans were there too, um, but part of my frustration after redistricting was it was either in Fresno or Sacramento, both of which are about two hours from the center part of my district. And so family members wouldn't be able to take time off and, and go up, and so we started scheduling them twice a year in my district. And it is amazing not only uh, the support that the, the families uh, receive at, at this, but the media uh, that loves to go out there and, and talk about, you know, what it means to be a citizen, what it means to be an American. And uh, our, our next one is coming up. We do it all uh, every year around the 4th of July. It is a very, very proud moment of people becoming citizens for the first time of a country that they've lived in and not just Hispanics, but a variety of a lot of different countries. So it is a truly, truly a melting pot uh, of Amer- proud Americans and, and families. And so it, it gives us a real opportunity to welcome them for the first time, a very, very proud moment that we have twice a year, uh, but a very good opportunity to, to reach out as well. Um, I think it's also important as you're moving along to have third party validators Um, It's one thing for Mike and I to to talk about things, but if you're engaging the community and have other people talking about what you're working on as well, um, it helps you to to get your message out there. And let me just finish on on one last issue, and that is actually issue advocacy. Um, Sometimes we tend to do things on a boilerplate and generically push things out, Um, and and I believe that uh, most of the the issues that Hispanics have in, in my community are issues that the overall um, community has. Uh, they're not single-issue voters, um, but how you talk about those issues and the aspects of those issues are very, very different. Um, we talk about uh, some of the reforms that need to be, need to happen, and I talk to uh, a lot of uh, um, first-generation business owners, entrepreneurs, and ADA Issues come out. It's a huge issue in California. It's a huge issue for for all small businesses, but predominantly uh, the businesses that get singled out are the ones that may have a language impediment, may not be um, uh, either English is not their first language, or they just may not be as familiar with the law. And so these lawyers will go out and target these small businesses and really try to extort money out of them, um, even putting them on payment plans to get them to settle and and, and go away. So ADA uh, lawsuits, lawsuits and and, uh, regulatory reform ends up being a big deal, but ADA is where they feel like they've been singled out in California. Uh, Healthcare, how we talk about healthcare is a huge, huge issue. Um, In my community, uh, Medi-Cal, Medicaid, uh, is a very, very big issue. Uh, A lot of new people uh, are getting uh, added to insurance for the first time, but still have no access. They're still going to the emergency room. Um, there are still undocumented parents that their kids can go to the, uh, um, to the hospital under S-CHIP, but they still don't have coverage. And so how we talk about healthcare ends up being a big issue, um, as well as immigration. I mean, obviously, how you talk about immigration, where your focus is, what your solutions are. And both Mike and I have been champions of leading the, the charge on full immigration reform uh, in the House and, and really just uh, pushing a, a real movement. But I will tell you the biggest issue in my district continues to be water. You take away our water, you take away our jobs, and jobs is always the number one issue. Okay,
3: thank
4: you. Jeff, I know you have another engagement, but do you have a couple seconds for some Q and A? Amy, you did a great job with your intros. You may now have the first or the last question.
5: I'll do the first. Okay.
2: Set um, the
4: tone for twenty points.
2: Yeah, right, right, right.
5: I may have to phone a friend. Um, you guys both did a great job of talking about how you're dealing with your constituents in your district. Talk a little bit about how you combat, frankly, some of the president's more xenophobic rhetoric in his conversation. Obviously, I think we all know that some of the policies don't mirror that. But how do you how do you break through that in, with your constituents?
0: Well, it's, I mean, that is uh, obviously for the Hispanic community. It's a. It's a particularly big issue. Um, you know, and, I mean, if you. You know, it's, it's Spanish language media. When the president, when the candidate Trump announced, and uh, his words, uh, they just were just exploded uh, on Spanish language media. Ex- extraordinarily. Uh, a negative. Uh, I think, quite frankly, it's um, it's where we differ from the president. I mean, with that with community. And so, one thing that the first thing that I did in, in, in this conference was introduce a bipartisan proposal in the House, in the Senate, before the president was ever sworn in. Uh, so it's myself and Luis Gutierrez in the House. It was uh, it was uh, Durbin and uh, Graham in the Senate. Uh, to uh, take the executive order from the Obama administration on DACA and put it in permanent law uh, and t- to give certainty to those children. And so that uh, sent us a very strong message to the Hispanic community that I was going to stand up for them, uh, you know, with, with irrespective of what this administration was going to do.
2: I would add to that, uh, I think it's important that uh, we're out there all the time. So, regardless of the rhetoric that's out there, um, that we're out there. And they, they define us as individuals uh, that are fighting for the issues, and they're very well aware of the issues that, that we're fighting on. Um, yeah, it was tough there during this last election, uh, some of the rhetoric that came out, but it's stuff that we've been dealing with all the time. The, the media. Um, Main Street media, that, uh, you know, they love to put out, you know, Steve King is always the, the Republican talking about immigration. This is nothing new for us to talk about. That is not our message. This is, you know, our immigration reform policies are not what somebody that has an extreme position um, has. And so it is twice as important for us to get out there and say what we, what we're working on, what we believe in, what are our core principles? Where do we agree with Democrats? You know where can we come together as americans and um you know i think there's no better proof of that than actually changing law and we're going to do that this year the enlist act i would expect will be the first immigration bill uh, that gets taken up it is has one of the most highest co-authorships of any bill in the house we're right at about 218 co-authors right now um even some i would say some more uh, extreme members are are co-authors on the bill so it's really creating a movement that uh, will allow us to uh, engage even when there is rhetoric that, that's out there.
0: And one quick note: uh, one thing that I do with all the immigrant communities is I want their identification with me, quite frankly, not as a Republican, but as their congressman, and that, that is, and, and so that is so important that that, that they say and, and when they do, you know, quite frankly, when I get into the campaign pay mode, uh, I don't, I don't have joint events. You know, each community does their own event for me. <laughs> I don't have, I don't mix them in with, the Republic, quite frankly, with the Republican Party. And uh, so it's, it's it's important that I have my own individual brand with. Me. Scott Salmon. I, I wanted to ask a little bit
3: of a different side of that question. And, I, and I'm wondering, I, I'm thinking about the English First movement, which seems to be on both sides of the aisle, and this notion that English ought to be the official, you know, the, I hear it from time to time, it's, I think it preceded President Trump. It preceded even some of the Freedom Caucus crowd. But do you get backlash at all because you know hosting a business forum in Spanish only? Do you get other constituencies that kind of look at that and say, "Well, I'm not sure I like it."
0: Sure. I mean, I do. Uh, no, there, there's, there's some pushback. Not as much as you would think. Uh, but, but there, there is uh, some pushback. Uh, there are people, uh, you know, that, that are very much opposed uh, to uh, my version of immigration reform. Uh, uh, there, there is, there are people that are simply anti ukraine That, that uh, you know, and, and their vision of America, uh, there, there's no question about that. Um, you know, but I'm, uh, you know, I've formed more of a coalition of support, quite frankly, that is beyond the Republican Party, uh, you know, in in terms of uh, also independent voters and some Democrats. And so that that coalition gives me the the kind of independence uh, that I need to be able to withstand those kind of attacks.
2: And I think that it's important, uh, you know, especially through our schools, that everybody speaks English. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to to enter a workforce and, and have a a competitive advantage, you need to speak English. But regardless of where you immigrate from, you should never um, uh, forget your roots or, or, or lose uh, your. your I mean, we should be speaking many different languages. And you know, I, I certainly saw it firsthand uh, from uh, on my wife's side of the family. Um, you know, it, it, they had to speak English at home, except for Grandma never spoke English. But I mean, it. it their mom and dad got mad at them if they, if they didn't speak English uh, at home. But they always watch Spanish TV. Um, so, I mean, it's where they got their news, but it was important that everybody was able to speak English to be able to get a job, to be able to be successful. So I, I think it's important to send that message. Yes, we, English is our, is our primary language as a country but we are a melting pot of people that uh, have languages uh, that we ought to be uh, not only respect, but the supportive of them. And I think our job, as well, um, is to make sure that we're outreaching to everybody. And so I do, um, I mean, we do our little, uh, I can't remember what we call the pamphlet right now, but we have several different pamphlets in several different languages, because I've got such a diverse district that we put out so that we can get more people engaged and involved, and we wanna make sure that they've got the ability to, uh, read something in, in the, the language that they feel most comfortable with.
0: Yeah, and I think and I do believe, I mean, they do know the, the value of speaking English uh, in terms of, of their own advancement. <clears throat> the one thing you see in, in Spanish language, uh, TV and media is lots of ads for, you know, courses to learn English. So okay. Bert Gomez, Bert,
6: last course. question. When you have town halls do Latinos actually show up? <clears throat>
2: Um, I I would say certainly right now it is a different dynamic. Yes, I mean, Latinos always show up. Um, I've done town halls in Spanish, um, and and I think that that has been more receptive, even though uh, not all the questions were in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, It gave people a comfort that they could do either one. Um, But right now these town halls are a little different. (laughs) Uh, It is a a different time right now where it it is less about the people that uh, are you know working hard in your district and just want to show up and get some information versus those that just want to show up in, in, as part of a political movement and see what they can catch you on camera saying?
0: Yeah, I would say that uh, it, it, we're going to be doing another in-person town hall in August, uh, but the last one, quite frankly, was was not reflective of the was disproportionately white of Anglo, uh, and, and and I think that if quite frankly Bernie Sanders Democrats. And, uh, uh, you know, God bless them, and I'm glad to hear uh hear their concerns, but I don't think it was really representative of the district, and I, and I haven't done uh, town hall uh, meetings uh, specifically in Spanish, and that's probably something that, it, that at some point I need to do.
4: Gentlemen, we so thank you for being here, and, and I have one last question for both of you. You two are the champions for this outreach. Who else is... Number one, coming to you, and who else have you kind of deputized to help with this? I mean, there is a lot of folks out there that need to be asking the right questions. I mean, 13 to eight terms from now, we're going to be in this situation, and, the, and folks are going to need some help. Who who can they turn to, and who are some of the others?
2: Well, certainly the two of us team up uh, very strongly together and offer bills and co-author each other's bills, but we've got a, a great network, and I would say uh, led by Mario diaz Ballard, He's been a true champion on this for a long, long time. Um, We, I think, all do different whip counts, and then we compare all of our different whip counts, which also gives us an opportunity to see who's really out there with us, and where they're at on on a variety of issues. Are are they only willing to support the Enlist Act, or um, there are some members that I would have never thought would support the Enlist Act, and it was because they actually wanted to see comprehensive, so actually having those conversations, but uh, Carlos Curbelo, uh, is very, very involved, We've got a, a, a pretty big coalition. I would say on our overall WIP team, there's about 20 of us that are pretty consistent, but then there's a, a much larger outreach. And our
4: start. House leadership is open to this? Mm-hmm. Very.
2: And I would say even the President, uh, on certain issues, we've had good discussions. The Enlist Act is something that he support. So I think we're already having uh, good discussions. The question is, how do you get it across the finish line? You know, if, if we're going to continue to see uh, a, a greater push on uh, border security and border funding, then what are all the other pieces that come along with that? And how do you tailor your messaging um, that, you know, the American public realizes that we're pushing for full reform? But we got a battle ahead of us. I think this is our opportunity
4: to get immigration reform done, though. Well, as we get closer to 18 elections, we'd love to have you guys back. But with our thanks, New National Parks uh, oh. book out for your constituents who are coming out to see you. And now we are going to say goodbye to you and invite <laughs> our n- next panel up with Gert Goen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you,
6: Jim. And thank you to Ripon once again for uh, having Nunavision uh, this you. morning here at the breakfast. and. This is a, uh, a great next panel on Hispanic Outreach, and we continue uh, the conversation. Thank you to Congressman Kaufman and Congressman Denham for teeing up the conversation on Hispanic Outreach. And uh, we will introduce the next panelist at this point. First panelist will be Stacy Daniels. She is Press Secretary for Congressman Blake Farenthold. Prior to becoming Press Secretary, Daniels served as a Deputy Communications Director for Donald Trump's presidential campaign in Michigan. She also worked on statewide and local campaigns, including work as a communications director for a gubernatorial candidate. Prior to going into politics, Daniels was a reporter and anchor at KEZI, the local ABC affiliate in Eugene, Oregon. Although well, she got her start as a journalist, Daniels has always been a fan of politics. She spent her days at the University of Missouri, is that the way you say it? Missouri, uh, where she earned her bachelor's degree in journalism in 2012. Welcome, Stacey. Our next panelist. Our next panelist is a top bilingual communication staffer on Capitol Hill, Daniel Bucelli. Currently serves as communications director for Congressman Kaufman. Prior to his current position, he worked at the House Republican Conference as their press secretary for specialty media. During this time with the GOP conference, he implemented a full comprehensive Hispanic media strategy. include members, Spanish coaching, press pitching, story placements, and was responsible for the 2016 State of the Union GOP Spanish response. Welcome, Daniel. (laughs) And last but not least, the Honorable (laughs) Chris Pena from Univision, my colleague, who is Senior Vice President of News for Local Media at Univision, uh, the leading media Companies serve in Hispanic America, I had to say that. Uh, Pena leads Univision's news efforts in enhancing collaboration between network news and local news operations. He implements local news editorial guidelines, serves as mentor for Univision's owned and operated local television station news directors, as well as liaison between them and Univision network news and marketing. Mr. Pena works with market general managers, news teams, and senior management across the company to ensure Univision continues to deliver the best in local news to the multicultural audience it serves. Welcome Chris. So each of the panelists will have three minutes of opening remarks and then we'll jump into Q&A. Stacy.
5: Thank you for having me here today. So I am the Press Secretary for Congressman Blake Farenthold, and he represents the 27th District of Texas. And our district is 49% Hispanics. And um, a lot of these, the Hispanic population in our district, they're actually very established Texans. A lot of them have been in the district, you know, they're fifth or seventh generation Texans. Um, But only 38% of our voters in our district are Hispanic. So there is a pretty large population of non Hispanic voters. And so our biggest uh, way that we target these voters is just treating the Hispanic population like the rest of the voters in our district. Um, we do have two Spanish speaking staff members, and so if someone calls the office and they wanna talk to someone in Spanish, they can do that as well. And um, we all, one of the biggest things that we do is we actually tag and identify issues by age rather than ethnicity, because that's where we see that there are the biggest changes between younger voters and older voters. So for our media outreach methods for the younger Hispanic population, We do, we see that they're getting their news from more non-traditional media outlets. So they're looking for social media, Facebook and Twitter is where they get most of their news. Univision, Fox, ABC, all of those normal media outlets aren't really reaching these voters, which is the same as mostly all millennials across the board. And then as far as the older generations, we see that they are getting their news from more traditional media outlets, so they are watching Univision, Fox, ABC all of the, and even reading newspapers is a big one that the older generation does as well. And so in general, while an overwhelming number of the Hispanic population <coughs> does watch traditional Hispanic television, they also watch the local affiliates in our district. So we do a lot of work with you know, the local ABC NBC affiliates and we do um, reach out to Univision as well. So we send our press releases to those stations the same way and the Congressman does interviews with them as well. Um, The biggest issue areas in our district that we see the older Hispanic voters are interested in pro-life issues and family values. But with the younger generation, that's not quite what they're interested in. We see that they're worried about paying for college. And um, DACA is also a very big issue for these younger voters. But again, that's an issue that with millennial voters across the board, you see that that's an issue for them as well. Um, And so my job is just to best communicate the congressman's message messages which are being pro-life, um, he's very big into border security and supporting our veterans, and actually a large percentage of the veterans in our district are Hispanic. And so we just believe that the Hispanic community doesn't want to be treated any differently, so our message across the board is the same. We don't have a different answer to questions if a Hispanic is asking a question versus someone else. So that's what we do in our district.
1: Thank you, Stacy. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, exactly what Stacey just said, everyone. Um, I work with Congressman his communications director. And uh, as I mentioned, we have a very diverse district. Uh, it's just the suburbs of Denver, so a very interesting cr- crowd. Uh, the headquarters there is Aurora. Um, so yeah, exactly what Stacey just mentioned. Uh, keep the message the same. Show up to their events. Uh, establish a relationship. I would say with Spanish media, it's even more so. Establishing a rapport with the reporters—they um, actually text me quite a few times a week—and it's not just reaching out to them when you want a story or when you, you know, when you want an interview, but just simply, you know, keep that line of communications open. Um, you know, hey, nice story last night's news. You know, they appreciate that we are watching them, and that you know, it's a give and take relationship. Um, another thing is explaining, uh, going out there and explaining to the community what services our office uh, offers, and that can be done in both languages. Sometimes we get pushback, as the congressman mentioned. Sometimes we don't. Um, when we do, we explain to them that you know there are constituents and we're here to serve them the best we can. Um, on social media, uh, over the last I would say six months, we have seen a shift to where anytime we put anything out in Spanish, uh, there's a little push. But I would say the majority, when we're out in the district, uh, when we have the town halls, uh, it's been supportive establishing that uh, independence not so much just you know a gop member but re- rather you know my congressman that's been a big um, help in our district uh, we're about a 20 23 percent hispanic so district and it's something that's growing and in my previous um, position here on the hill with the c- conference um, when i you know, took over the role and introduced myself to all members i was surprised to see that the majority of districts that you know contact us back was not you know the usual you know Florida, Texas, or California offices, but rather the Midwest because you're seeing a population change, and it's happening quickly. Um, you've gone over the, the statistics this morning, and it's simply not a matter of ideology anymore. It's a simple arithmetic. So do the math, and that's why we want to get ahead of that curve.
6: You know, before we go to Chris, I will say that for those of you that may not know, there are 136 House districts with Hispanic populations above 20 percent. Which is, which is huge, 136 of house offices, which is amazing. Chris?
7: Uh, well, I couldn't ask for a uh, friendlier moderator, Bert, so uh, <laughs> i take you everywhere. We uh, always bring your own moderator. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, I want to thank the Rip on Society for, for this invitation to, to speak with all of you today and have this, this really important conversation. Um, when, when the congressman was speaking, uh, I, I was thinking about how I was one of those uh, Latino immigrants who, who went through a citizenship ceremony, and they're absolutely right on. Right? There's not a prouder moment uh, in, in, in one's life. Uh, when I came here from the from the Dominican Republic at the age of seven, 1981, we were coming off a census that showed um, a population of about 10 million Hispanics in the U.S. Uh, by the year 2010, uh, we were at 50 million, and at this point, we're in the 54 and a half million range and expected to grow to 130 million by the year 2050. That is just incredible growth. Right? And that that growth really tracks with the growth of Univision, uh, and which a little more than 60 years ago began with a single stick in San Antonio to serve the, the Hispanic, or what they call the Mexican-Spanish-speaking uh, the Mexican population there. Because before that, there was nothing. Uh, and so Univision was the only game in town. Years later, I worked at Univision in uh, in Houston. And our station would get about an 80 shift of Spanish-language audience. Uh, there was Univision, there was, there was Telemundo, and there was very little house. But Univision was dominant. Uh, in 1981, when we got home from JFK Airport, we turned on the TV and watched Univision. So when I returned <laughs> to the company last year, it was a homecoming. Again, right? this is. Part of I share the same connection that the U.S. Hispanic population shares uh, with the and that one stick has now grown to this incredible company. And there are a lot of uh, there's a fact sheet on your tables here. Uh, we have on the local <coughs> media side, just on the local media side, we have 126 radio and TV stations. So I was I was really uh, happy to hear the congressman speak about the power of radio. Right, and radio is less expensive, and you can get a lot more bang for your buck. Uh, there, TV is still a little more expensive, um, but we are not only have a great amount of of, of properties there in local media, with uh, 57 TV stations and 1,600 radio stations, uh, but the company overall uh, has grown beyond. Uh, beyond that single stick. So I think we're up to 17 digital and broadcast properties, uh, several cable networks. If you're into just watching novelas, we have that for you. Uh, If you just want news, uh, we have a partnership in in, uh, international news with with photo uh, TV. Uh, And then we have Fusion, uh, both on the digital and on on the cable side, uh, which is a property that that really just hyper focuses on on millennials. uh, and, and then when it comes to Millennials, while Latinos of, of an older generation, uh, Spanish is their primary language, uh, in adults 18 to 49, Univision wins in local news, right? So, and I'm not talking about in isolated areas. I'm talking about the top stations for local news at 6 and 11 p.m. in LA is KMEX. In New York, it's WXTV. Miami, we'll skip for a second. Uh, Houston, Dallas, and Chicago, Chicago, where I worked for several years, the number one local station for built 18 to 49 for 5 p.m. news is WGBO. It's really incredible when you think about it, uh, the overall reach of the company.
6: Thank you, Chris. Any questions for the panels?
4: Yes. Now, you mentioned there are 120 plus districts that have 20% or more. 136, yeah. 136. Uh, I guess my question is, how many of those are Republican, um, or, or just even a, a rough average? And then and then mostly for the, the two uh, congressional staff, um, have you identified those offices and kind of given the best practices, uh, like you just outlined, for those offices? And how many of them are actually? doing it and, and who's kind of enforcing that is that an NRCC function is that a conference function I'm just curious if you guys have a sense of that so, so I'll answer the first question
6: uh, there's approximately slight of, of those 136 there's slightly over 50 of those that are Republican offices and uh, we do have a obviously Univision visits all those offices and we have a conversation with those offices all the time right to make sure that they actually visit our stations. Make sure that we have a local relationship with those offices. From our GM standpoint, our station standpoint, radio and TV. Not just policy here in Washington, but make sure that they know that our stations are there in those markets. Right. Uh, so absolutely, we have a relationship with those. Up there. I think 58 or so of those are Republican offices.
8: So obviously, Farron, and Kaufman
4: have a plan. Do, you, yes. do your other colleagues in those offices know about a
8: plan and a template so that they can follow
1: it? Certainly. Um, conference... Does have tools, whether it's members coaching. Uh, ultimately, the ultimate force you know the congressman, congresswoman. Uh, if they're interested in reaching out to that community, they can turn to conference, and we help them with everything, with you know, sitting down with Spanish media, pitching them, booking them, office in Spanish, uh, members coaching. Um, so th- those are the tools that are offered to them. But ultimately, it's each office, uh, you know, working with a, a S- Hispanic community in Florida. It's not the same as speaking to the Spanish community in California, and Texas. So it has to be localized. What works best for them? If you have a very rural district, radio might be best. Uh, more more economical, further reach. Uh, if you have a very you know, urban setting, um, obviously you have to target your message you know to that community. But yeah, and as far as the campaign side of it, I know the RNC has a team that um, that handles that on the campaign side.
5: And yeah, as far as for our district, I think it's mainly just that you know. The congressman over time he's in his fourth term right now so he's seen kind of how the Hispanic community you know reacts to messaging and stuff like that so that's why the messaging is specific specifically tailored that way
1: and you know, I'll just add on the best way to get members to see is just show them the numbers you know this is where we were this term is this where you are this term and and the trend just show, go in there with hard numbers I, I think that's the best thing the staffer can do
4: Hey, Bert, uh, what I was wondering, with, with those districts that you have identified, mm-hmm. um, w- with these folks, you know, you, in terms of voter registration and in terms of voter turnout, is it very similar to the rest of the demographics of the country? Is it higher? Is it lower? There is
6: we, it uh, in, we, we haven't gotten
4: into that level of detail, Jim. We could, but we haven't. Yeah, no, no, I was just
6: curious. Sorry. Any more no. questions? Yes, Victoria?
7: Hi, this uh, question is for Chris. Uh, Mr. Kaufman has done an incredible
5: job learning Spanish to make sure that he's reaching out to his constituents. What if you work for a member who doesn't
7: speak Spanish? Can you still access Univision? Absolutely. I mean, the lack of, of, of the language skill, it, it should not be a barrier whatsoever. Uh, all of our people speak English. <laughs> all of our reporters speak English. If you, if you visit one of our newsrooms, uh, Sometimes what you'll see and what you'll experience is that everything happens in English until you get on air, until the anchors uh, start speaking. So I don't think that should be an impediment um, at all. We we welcome uh, visits from from members. Uh, in fact, Congressman Barton uh, visited, had a really nice visit with with our with our station in, in Dallas, and hosted by Mark fuller our, our market leader there. He did an editorial board. and that's fantastic. So. Uh, it, if, if that's something that, that, that any member wants to explore, that is always on the table. You can contact BERT, and we will facilitate that, uh, regardless of, of Spanish-speaking.
1: I'm going to just tack on to that. In, in the time ahead of the I had with conference and working with different members and uh, Spanish news outlets across the country, I never had the problem to where you know the message was misconstrued or bad translation didn't come up, because they know that you know.
4: If that happens once that door shut and they'll
6: never
4: be back but never had that problem any additional questions Bert? I have one and, and it's for you guys especially in the house dealing with the overall attitudes in the house it, it, with your colleagues who do have a significant Hispanic are do you guys have a caucus that you guys get together on on, on a regular basis uh whether it be communication directors or uh with your chief of staffs since bob is here throw that button um are are, do you guys find that is something that is is starting to take place or is it not
5: with with other Uh offices with
4: other offices with other communication folks that are reaching out to you all saying what are some of the again working for two champions you know in in this uh, arena are other offices concerned? Are they looking at this? Are they looking at 18? Are they looking at 20? In terms of saying, guess what? This is going to be a significant problem to us.
5: I'm not sure what other offices are doing. We haven't had a lot of discussions with other offices. However, you know, all the communications directors from the House side for Republicans, they do meet once a week. So I'm sure that at some point we may talk about Hispanic outreach. But I think right now it's just office by office is what I've experienced.
6: Jaben, you may, I know Jaben Castro's in the audience, but I will say, Jim, that uh, there is a Hispanic conference in the House, uh, led by, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the diaz uh Corbello, Ileana's part of that conference, Valadao, I think Jeff Denham's part of that conference, so there is a, you know, the, the Democrats have their caucus, the CHC, well, the Republicans in the House have their, con- it's called the Hispanic Conference. So there's, you know, Devin Nunes, I mean, there's several, uh, 15 or 20 members
4: are part of that. Okay. And um, <clears throat> on the Senate side, I'm on the Senate side, uh, Senator Hatch back in 1987 started the task force on Hispanic affairs. Uh, I run that for him right now. And uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Republican senators join the task force. There's a big uh, group of us that are doing uh, Hispanic outreach. Uh, well not an outreach, I, I don't want to get the, the term confused because we are, we're not doing, um, the role and responsibility of this task force that Senator Hatch has is to educate the Republican senators on issues that affect the Latino community. Now also, uh, I mean this is specifically for Latinos but right now I'm in talks with Senator uh, Scott from South Carolina and Senator Rubio in doing a broader outreach to all minorities. Um, so that's the next step that we're gonna be doing but right now um, we do have a task force on Hispanic Affairs on the Senate side. Now that begs the question, what is the Latino population in Utah? 17%. 17%. 17%. Isn't Scott, Sam, and you, I think you had a question.
3: Yeah, I, I, you kind of touched on it, because I, I was going to ask about the Hispanic Caucus, and I know it's kind of been a closed, <clears throat> from a party standpoint, it's, it's been kind of a closed uh, operation. Is it actually helpful to have, from a legislative standpoint, to have a Hispanic caucus as opposed? I mean, I'm kind of curious about that. I understand it for voter outreach and segmentation for how you go out and get the vote, but for legislation, is it actually helpful?
6: You know, as best as I can answer, again, I think Jabin could probably have a better answer than I do, but, you know, it used to be where Hispanic. Republicans from the House, they were part of the original Congressional Hispanic Caucus. They were all united at one point. And some issues, particularly, may have been immigration. They have you know, kind of divided the members. And so the Republicans from the House started the conference. But at one point, they were all united as part of one Hispanic Caucus, many years ago. That obviously has changed since. Jay, you may want to add to that. Uh-
4: I,
1: I'll leave it for
4: the <laughs> Um
1: Go ahead, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. There could be more that could be done in that regard. Um, but again, it goes back to the messaging. Whether it's, you know, there's not such thing as a Hispanic economy and Hispanic healthcare. No, it's an American economy. And so, how do we integrate, you know, the messaging? Yeah, sure, you know, um, Hispanic Latinos have a different, uh, you know, point of view or, you know, what, what they're ideally would like to see done. But overall, it's just the communication aspect of it. And uh, of course, we, we welcome more people working <coughs> with this together, whether it's individual office level or what we do as a conference. There's a lot more that can be done. To sort of maybe answer the question, but also
8: just to kind of give some input for Stacey on that, as Chief the staff to a member from Texas. We see divisions within the Hispanic population, for instance, on issues like immigration. and. It's almost an age uh, division where those, as Stacy pointed out, who have been their fifth, sixth, seventh generation, they're as opposed to the immigration or the illegal immigration coming across the border that we see in Texas right now. They're some of the strongest proponents for a wall that, that, are, that are imploring the congressman, what are you doing? So it's not just the quote right wing Caucasian folks in our district who are doing it. Now, the younger Hispanics, again, the, the more I say millennial. If you want to just try and do it, that they're they're completely the opposite. So you can't just say we're going to have this Hispanic outreach, which I think is part of the division you saw with with Republicans. Right. And and so that's why we try and address issues that the congressman is for whatever Mr. Trump wants to do with a wall, and we don't tailor that message to any demographic so we'll say that and we find as much support from i'd say older hispanics in our district as we get from anyone else in our district and that goes back to your point so if that helps anybody understand that that Pushing question the back. yeah could you
1: talk about um media coverage of issues like that coverage especially on the local level you talk about right. local stations covering i mean you got what 30 minutes to work in president trump i mean how do you fit a a local congressman in there and, and their more nuanced views and and um uh, what what the dynamic is on, on that
7: sure look the, the goal is is simple the goal is to be accurate and and to tell the story accurately and you know the, the the spanish-speaking community uh was clearly uh on one side of the issue around the wall. so we saw a lot of energy um uh, against a wall proposal um, saw a lot of fear, quite honestly, uh, since during and since uh, the the election, uh, and and for us, it's been a very there's been a very fine line because we have to report what's happening, uh, but then also not alarm the community, and 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 that the only way you can com- combat that is by being accurate, and that's really the role of a journalist. So. Uh, you know, Univision is is, is 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 as long as I'm uh, in charge of local news, uh, we're going to do things by the book on the local side, and we have excellent news directors there. And we have news in 16 different markets, and, and we meet bi-weekly, and, and we're in constant communication, um, and 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 everyone to a person uh, knows that, that we have to tread very lightly uh, around the story. Um, you know, and and. I know that externally, sometimes uh, you know, what, what people focus on is the opinion that someone may, may have that, that works for Univision. But if you look at our newscasts uh, at the local level, uh, they, they look just about any other general market newscast, just in a different language and just reaching a, a different audience. Um, and and that's, we really pride ourselves on that. Any other
6: questions? Any closing thoughts from the Mm -hmm. panelists?
7: Thank you for having us here today. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Very good. Bert.